0: The choir's fine in their seats. Let me just share a couple things to remind you. Hope you picked up or got one of these when you came. You don't pick it up. Someone will hand it to you. One of these when you came in the door. Everybody get one of these? You opened it and read it, didn't you? Good. That's a point. Uh, if you didn't get one on the way out, the, the girls or the, the young people will be there to give you these on the way out. They just want, to, our youth wants you to know they're praying for you. Praise God. They're praying for you. Let me remind you also that you have an opportunity to join with us on Thursday. Our church and a couple other churches here in town. Hopefully, some more will join to get on Thursday at noon, right here in this building, and we're going to have a time of praying for our, for our country's National Day of Prayer is uh, Thursday, so at noon at noon o'clock at noon o'clock on on, on Thursday, uh, we'll be meeting, and we'd like for you to join us uh, for that, if you will. And Ray and Robbie, we're glad that you guys are here with us today. Ray's mother went home to be with Jesus this this week, and so. We're glad you all are here with us, and we've been praying for you, and we love you guys. So, so praise God that uh, He has fulfilled His promise in raised mom's life. That's a wonderful promise we all have. I'm going to ask you to take, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter four. We actually I began teaching in Acts chapter four last week. I know you all remember that sermon, and uh, the title of last week's sermon was "Have You Been with Jesus?" and talk about how important it is for us to spend time with Jesus and how that. How spending time with Jesus transforms us. And how they talked about the, you know, they, they looked at the apostles and said, you know, these guys have never been to school. they never been, they don't have any position of authority in that. Uh, but they speak with great authority. And then they said, but we know they've been with Jesus. And how important it is for us to spend time with Jesus. Now, I want us to go on in the same chapter. And you'll remember that the apostles were arrested. They had faced opposition because they were in this fourth chapter, because they were they were preaching Jesus, and they healed a man who had been crippled since birth, and and uh, the authorities want to know by whose by whose power did you heal this man? And you remember that Peter said that said that uh, it's by the name of Jesus, the one that you crucified, that this man walks today. And so they threatened them, and they said, hey, don't don't no more of this. Stop the preaching. Stop this, and we're going to let you go because we we can't. Deny that that this man was healed, and we can't deny that God used you in this great way. But we're going to warn you now, and we're going to threaten you, and we're going to tell you: no longer do we want you to preach or talk about this man named Jesus. And remember, Peter's reply said was this: he said, "Is it better for us to obey God or man? We'll leave, we'll leave that for you to determine, but we're going to do what God has called us to do." Now, in our in our in our uh, the portion that we're going to be looking at today, in verses. Um, 23 through through, uh, 31, we're going to talk about uh, how do we deal when the world opposes us for doing what is right as Christians. shouldn't surprise you, because Jesus told us that it would be this way, it shouldn't surprise us that the world is going to oppose us when we would declare and live for Jesus. When our message would be the gospel of Jesus Christ, the world will oppose us. Jesus said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They rejected me. They're going to reject you. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised that you're going to face opposition. The world does not love God, nor does the world love the Son of God. And because they don't, if you live Christ and you share Christ... The world system as a whole will stand against you. And you need to be aware of that. And, and you know, sometimes Christians are surprised. Say, well, I just can't believe nobody likes me. You know, I can't believe it, nobody will listen to me. I can't believe, it, you know, the whole world doesn't accept me. And I, and I understand that because when it comes to the gospel, I don't get it that people don't want it. You understand what I mean by that? How wonderful the gospel is. And the grace of God pouring into my life and your life. And all he requires of us is that we put our faith in him, that we trust him, that we believe in him. And he's not asking us to work hard for him. He's not asking us to to do anything other than trust him completely. And he promised that he'll forgive all of our sin. Anybody here guilty of sin? He'll forgive all our sin. He will give us eternal life. He will go and he has prepared a, a place for us in heaven that is secure, that is eternal, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more hurt, no more sin, no more destruction, no more death, no more saying goodbye, all these wonderful things. He says, these things are yours if you'll put faith in Me, and all you have to do is genuinely and earnestly believe in Me, and these things will be yours. I don't get it that people don't want it. You know, I've said before, if I was to put in a newspaper, Fountain Hills newspaper, Next week, maybe we'll try this, I don't know. How's our budget doing? We'll see if we can do this or not. But if I was to put in the Fountain Hills newspaper next week, for every first-time guest that comes... Sorry, guys, you've been here. It's too late for you. But for every first-time guest that comes to Fountain First Baptist Fountain Hills next Sunday morning, our church will give you $1,000. You'd probably have trouble finding seats next Sunday morning. Yeah. (laughs) Park at Target. (laughs) Look, think about it. You know they would be here. They'd be line out the door for people to be here. But what we have is something that is more precious than a measly thousand dollars. Well, what we have is something more precious than all the gold in the earth. And the value of the universe itself. It's a promise of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't get it that people don't want it. But the reality is, church... That because you love Jesus and because you have a desire to to witness of Jesus Christ, the world will oppose you. It will reject you. This has been an interesting week, and I've got a couple of things I want to show you. I don't always show things that come up on the Internet, but once I kind of check them out and, and try to find out where they come from and whether it's a reliable news source, I, I don't mind sharing them with you. Uh, I, I, when I say reliable news source, that's kind of, it almost seems like an oxymoron in our day and time, but... Be that as it may, let me just share you, uh, with you a couple of things. The first thing that came out earlier this week was was um, an article that came through the Fox News uh, people, and it and it's, it was a, an article that says that the Pentagon blocks access to the Southern Baptist Convention website. It's kind of when I read that, I go, "Wow." Then I read on into the article and it actually says this. It says, the site you have, re- when you, when you would go to that, if you were, if you're using one of the military computers, here's what it says. The site that you have requested has been blocked by Team CONUS. Now CONUS is another term. Those of you who've been in the military, you know it's a term that, that, that it, 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 it's, it means the same thing as the Department of Defense. We use the term CONUS, okay? Uh, we. I'm not in the military anymore, but, so, uh, but here's what it says. It says has been doc- uh, d- blocked by Team CONUS. Due to hostile content, it took them about four or five days to, to, to react to this. And they said, no, it really wasn't blocked by CONUS. It really wasn't block, blocked by the Pentagon. It really wasn't blocked by the Department of Defense. It was blocked by some malware. And the malware uh, is there to block anything that has pornographic images and hostile images. So I thought it was kind of interesting, though. It took them four or five days to do that. But they blocked it. What do you suppose on... I don't... I'm going to tell you. Most of what's on the Southern Baptist Convention website is not really exciting reading. Certainly <laughs> not hostile reading. First of the month of April, there's another thing that happened I just want to share with you. And and this has to do with a um, an incident where... Some U.S. Army reservists were having instruction on, well, and you know this term. It's the PC term of our day and time. It is uh, uh, equal opportunity training. And uh, the, having some uh, training on this, and the incident occurred during an Army Reserve equal opportunity training brief on extremism. Keep that word in mind, on extremism. Topping the list, and let's go on with that one. Go on to the list. Topping the list of the extremist groups that these people were told to watch out for. I don't, it's hard to see, but that first, that first word is evangelical Christianity. Other names on there, other groups on there were Catholicism, Al Qaeda, Hamas, the Ku Klux Klan. Sunni Muslims, the Nation of Islam, the Reformed uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's not the mainline church, but the, but the other church that broke off of there. And the last word that you, it's hard to see on there, as listed as religious extremism, is a word, a new word. It's, it's called Islamophobia. All right, thank you, Tim. Interesting that evangelical Christianity would be considered a group of extremists. Interesting that they would block access to the Southern Baptist website. Interesting. Interesting. Times are changing. It's hard for us to believe that it could happen here. I don't even know why we'd be surprised. It happens in every society as it turns from, from its foundational truths so of being grounded upon, upon what, is, what is eternal or biblical truth and it turns to modernism and, 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 a, and a desire to move from what was first really put out in the 60s, that God is dead, we don't need God, to the place where you can be your own God and you set your own standards, and anybody who, who believes in anything, it's okay as long as they're not so narrow to believe in anything as narrow as believing in Jesus Christ. These are the times that we find ourselves in. It's not going to get better. It actually is going to get worse. And I'm not a prophet. I just kind of know this is what's going to happen. So what do you do? Well, we can sit around and moan about it. Or we can raise an army and fight it. We can take up arms. Or we can, or we can be the church. We can be the church. Opposition to the gospel of Christ is not something new. Luke wrote for us here in the book of Acts about the opposition that began at the very beginning of the church. Those who stood up against the, the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God in the life of his believers or, or his followers. We talk about what God intended the church to be. And I want, to, I want us to look at this these passages today in the gospel of Acts and don't be so worried, church. Don't be so worried about who opposes you. You can focus on the opposition all day long. And what that will do is that will get us off message. That will get us off point. And we'll think that we have to, we have to come up or devise a way to be smarter than the opposition, to outmaneuver the opposition. And you know what? Before long, we start looking like the opposition. We start acting like the opposition. We start trusting in the things that the opposition trusted, trust in instead of trusting in the power of, the, of God and the Holy Spirit and trusting in the Word of God. And I think we have a pattern for us here in this passage. So let's read this again, starting in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, and it says this. And being let go, now this is being let go after they were warned not to continue to speak in the name of Jesus and do these things in Jesus. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David hath said, Why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your your holy servant Jesus. I like that. (laughs) I like that little verse there. How about you? goes on to say, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the assurance of your word. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to rely upon the ways of men. But, Father, we can rest in you. It echoes in my heart right now, Lord, what you said to your Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. Where he reminds us that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood but with principalities and power and spiritual forces in heavenly places. So we're to put on the full armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Father, let it be so in your church. And Lord, in these days when things are changing very quickly, where opposition seems to be no longer hidden, it becomes more and more blatant each and every day, Father, help us to be the church. Help us to be the church. A redeemed body that walks in the power of your Holy Spirit and sees you do things that man cannot explain and that man cannot just pass by. Give us hearts to hear what you have to say today. Give us faith to follow you wherever you take us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When opposition or when the world's opposition opposes you for doing or for saying what is right, what should you do? Where should you go? What should we be like? And I've already said that what we should be is the church. What God intended for the church to be at the very beginning. A body that moves by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. Not a religious organization that has just a set of creeds and doctrines and has a determination to, to be one more organization that changes society. Because not you, nor me, nor our organization, nor our group have the power to change the world. We just don't. We just don't. And if we try to do it in our own strength and, our, and by our own abilities, we will be overcome By the spirit of the age in which you and I live. So the only thing we have, and I say that, I don't want to say it in a way that, like, like it's the only thing we have. we just got to fall back on the last thing. I want to say the only thing we have in a very positive way is really the only thing we need. That is to be the church empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, unashamed of the gospel message that Jesus Christ has given us, Determine that we will not be like the world that we find ourselves in, but we will be that peculiar people who are light and who are salt, and we will stand in Christ in this day. That's what he's called us to. When opposition raises its head, and it will, we need to be the church. There's some things we need to be reminded of as we look at this passage, and, and uh, it's interesting that, that they were threatened, it says, but then they were let go. And the first thing that you find that the apostles doing is they, they went and gathered with the other ones that were not involved in this sort of threatening. And they went back and they shared what was said by the authorities. And it's interesting, when they shared what was, thre- what was threatened by the authority, it drew them to what? It's interesting to me. It drew them to a pl- to a time of worship. Look with me in verse 24. It says this, when they had heard uh, that, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And what they do, they worship God. They said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the sea and all that is in them. You are God who made the heaven and the sea in the midst. And by the way, this isn't even in the outline yet, but I'm just going to give it to you anyways. In the midst of Opposition. They didn't look at the opposition, they looked to God. In the midst of being threatened, they did not let the threats overcome them or fill them with fear, but they praised God for who He was. And again, the, the writings of Paul are in my head right where he, where he says this, he says, he says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love. And what else? What? Power and a disciplined mind. These are the things that he promises us. And these guys got it. And you say, how'd they get it? Because they were trusting in the Spirit of God. And he's going to lead them like he will lead us in the truth. We don't need to focus on the opposition. We need to focus on God. And that's what they did. But as they focused on God, God's Spirit took them back to the Word of God, which revealed to them a truth that we need to understand today. And that's my first point in my outline today. And here's what it is. We need to understand that ultimately, it is not you, nor is it me, that they are against. But they are against the Lord. If, now I want to show is this can be a big if. If what we're sharing... Is the word. See, I know a lot of Christians who, in the name of Christ, do a lot of offensive things and then then try to wear the mantle. Oh, they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. No, they're persecuting you probably because you're a jerk. The apostles didn't go out and try to be offensive. They went out and they shared truth. In great humility, as you look at the picture here. And even in submission to a, a, a religious and a political authority that would not agree with them. And although they could not obey the, the, the desires of the, this religious and this political uh, authorities, they, they didn't become offensive in themselves. They did not become jerks in themselves. They said, you know what? You have to do what you have to do. But basically, we have to do what God's called us to do. So we, we have to keep sharing this. Okay? But in the next verse here, we're reminded, and it's David who said these things, starting in the middle of verse 25, it says, he, he says, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together. And look at who they gathered together against. Against the Lord and against his Christ. Understand that ultimately, it is not you nor is it me that they are against, but they are against the Lord if we're standing in the Lord. Now, I know that's not quite as romantic in our minds as turning ourselves into martyrs. Having the attitude of poor me. Everybody's against me. I would call that in the church... The Eeyore mentality. Anybody ever seen Winnie the Pooh? And Eeyore? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Be careful we don't turn into self-proclaimed martyrs. Because everybody's against us. And please understand that it's not us. It's not just I sit there again. We're talking about something that's bigger than me and bigger than you. We're talking about something that's bigger, according to the Apostle Paul, than a flesh and blood conflict. Than a battle between, between even, even human authorities, whether they be religious or they be political or they be, or they be the legitimate church. We're not talking about that kind of conflict. We're talking about something bigger than that. We're talking about spiritual warfare, Paul tells us. About the battle against principalities and power that you and I can't even see with our eyes. But apparently, according to scripture, are all around us all the time. And they're, they're, they're actively against the cause of Christ. You know, Satan hates you, but you know why he hates you? Because you know Christ. Because as much as he hates you, he hates Christ all the more. And he definitely hates the message that Christ has given you. That's why there's such opposition. Again, even today, from the religious leaders to the political leaders, all who don't seem to know Christ, there's su- excuse me, there's such an opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't mind a-, a melding of all kinds of religious perspective as long as one religious perspective does not rise up and say, you know what? We are superior to others. You say, well pastor, we really can't say that because we're a humble group of people. Listen, the gospel is superior to every other ism that's out there. It doesn't stand alongside Islam or Buddhism. It doesn't stand alongside the New Age philosophy. It doesn't stand alongside secularism or atheism or agnosticism. It doesn't stand alongside any of those things. It stands above all those things. It's time for the church to stop being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and stop, stop trying to just sort of fit in and understand that there are principalities and there are powers that are involved here. And if we don't walk as a spirit-filled, spirit-directed body of Christ, nothing will ever change except for the worst. I grow weary of professing Christians that apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I say that, please understand that. I look at times in my own life when I grow weary of looking in the mirror because I've been guilty of that too. It's not time for the church to become offensive with our message. It's time for the church to become empowered with the Holy Spirit and share the message that God has given us to share. And understand He hasn't called us to be martyrs. Oh, yeah, there are people who have lost their life for the cause of Christ. And we have brothers and sisters that are losing their life today for the the cause of Christ. But, you know, I think from a biblical perspective, biblical martyrs are not those who have a martyr mentality. Biblical martyrs are those who understand that they have been bought with a price. They belong to Jesus Christ. And they just want to follow Him. And whether that leads to this, to that, or to that, they don't know. But wherever it leads, it's okay. Because it's in Christ. Understand, when they oppose you, they're not opposing you primarily. If you're speaking the Word of God, if you're walking in the Spirit, but they're, they're opposing Christ, okay? So, you know, say, well, okay, then we've got to defend Jesus. No, you don't. Do you think Jesus needs your defense? You don't have to defend Jesus. Just walk in him. Just let him empower you. Just let him speak through you. They were aware that the opposition was greater than who they were. I'm going to finish with this up, but I just want you to know, martyr mentality in the church leads to a selfism that's dangerous. Because all we do is we look at ourselves. Poor me. The world will not accept me. They will not listen to me. Poor me. It's not about you. And I know you know this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about First Baptist Church at all. It's much bigger. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about truth. We're talking about being a people that are led and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So we must understand that ultimately it's not... You and I who they are against, but they are against our Christ. And, and, and again, Luke is inspired, and the apostles are inspired to go to the Old Testament verse where David spoke those words. That they are against the Lord, and they are against His Christ. Why? Because their father, the world's father, is Satan. And they will follow their father. The Bible makes it very clear. There's not this huge gray area. You're either for him. Or you're against him. You either belong to Christ or you don't. If you don't, then your father is the father of lies. He's a great deceiver. And he opposes everything that is good and godly and right. The second thing I want to remind you as we as we deal with opposition for doing what is right in the time in which we live. You'll find there in verse 27 and 28. We need to remember in the midst of the worst, God is still in control. Trust him. Oh, here's where we got to get this. We must get this. In the midst of the worst, God is still in control. That's hard. Let's just just be honest. We have trouble with little bitty things in the in the Western evangelical church. We really do. It's funny how we do. We have trouble with little bitty things. What are we going to do when real things start happening? We have trouble with how someone looked at us in church or didn't look at us in church. What someone said to us in church or what someone didn't say to church. We have trouble whether it's too hot in church, too cold in church. We have trouble whether someone dressed this way in church or didn't dress that way in church. We have trouble whether we liked the music in church or didn't like the music in church. We have trouble, We have trouble all the little bitty things that push us all over the place, even to the place where some people, even in our church, will say, well, if that's happening, I'm just not going to be there. What kind of baby Christianity are we living in today? And when things happen, what are we going to do then? Because we can't handle the little things. We've got to get in our heart what the disciples got in our heart. And look, look, look at these two verses with me. 27, and twenty. said, for truly against you, your holy servant, whom you appointed. Who's in control? Who appointed Jesus? God did. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So who was against Jesus? Could you answer that? Who was against Jesus? Everybody. And those who were with Jesus weren't even with Jesus. They were hiding. And then he goes on to say, but look at this. Verse 28. To do whatever... He's talking to God now. What your hand and your purpose... Determine before to be done. Remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate and Pilate said, you know what? I have the power of life and death over you. And Jesus said, oh, no, you have no power except to the power that my father has granted you. Jesus was saying the same thing here. The cross was not a mistake. Jesus himself said he came to die. God's plan is bigger Than the individual events of our life. And I understand. I understand when we're going through the individual events of our life. They seem like they're the biggest thing that's happening. Because we're just that way. We are. But we need to ask God to give us perspective. Because God is at work all around us. And God is working in and through us. And he has a huge, wonder. listen church, a huge, wonderful plan. And sometimes the things that happen to get to where He's going to take us, we don't like. But His plan is a wonderful plan. And there's never, ever, ever a time that God loses control. There's never a time that God is taken by surprise. There's never a time that God is unaware of what's going on. And there's never a time that God is not busy working out his perfect purpose and plan in the life of those whom he loves. When you get that, then Romans eight twenty eight starts to make a little bit more sense to you. All things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. I've had people say, well, oh, good, then I just need to be goofy happy about everything that happens in my Well, no, no, we're not. that's not what he's saying. There are hard things that happen. There are hurtful things that happen. There are things that will rip your heart out. There are people who will choose uh, will use you and abuse you. That's not a good thing, and no one's saying it and no one's saying that you ought to hide your head and stand there and act like they don't happen. And the point is that there's going to be opposition. There was then, there's going to be now. It's not a matter of saying the opposition isn't there. We're just going to you know, it's like set like the New Age. I'm gonna sit in the corner and say this isn't happening, so it's not happening because I say it's not happening. It's it's real. It happens. It is what life is. But the point is, for we who are believers, we need to cling on to this truth. That there's not a day that has ever gone by. There's not a day that's happening now. Nor is there a day that will ever happen in your life that God is not already there. And He's your Father. And He loves you. And He will never leave you. Nor will he ever forsake you. The opposition is real. But we need to remember in the midst of the worst. And I remind you, we have brothers and sisters in this in this world today that are facing what I would call the worst. Loss of family. Loss of position. Even loss of their own life. Because they believe in Jesus Christ. And the worst is coming. So maybe want will say, just hang on, the best is coming. Okay, how do I tell you that the worst is coming, but the best is coming too? How do I tell you that, except to say it that way? It's not going to get better. It is going to get worse. Because the world is growing darker and darker, and men's hearts are growing colder and colder to the things of God. And more and more what we will see is people who are in positions of authority and power, politically, politically, and religiously, who have no consideration, listen, I, did you hear what I said? And religiously, who have no consideration for God at all, who are not led by the Holy Spirit at all, yet they will have authority and they will be making decisions for your life and for my life, and they will be making them according to their carnality, not according to the leadership of Spirit. Things are going to get worse. The Bible tells us this. But ultimately, for the believers, please know this, things are going to get better. Our minds cannot imagine how wonderful it's going to be. And we need to remember as things get worse that in the midst of the worst, God is still in control. And we need to trust Him. We need to trust Him. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? What if you walk out of here today and on your smartphone is the worst news that you could ever receive? Your whole world falls apart. Do you trust God? I want to be able to say I trust God. I do. I want to be able to say that. I hope that I will. Because I do love Him. And I do believe in Him. And I do want to be able to look into His face and trust Him, regardless of what happens. God, help me to know that in the worst, you're still God. You're still in control. And I can trust you. When we face opposition, please understand that It's not you that they're opposed to. It's, it's it's your Lord. In the midst of the worst, please understand that God is still God and God is still in control, and that you can trust Him. And then the next thing I want you to see, look at verse 29 and 30. It said now the Lord. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now this is a new way to pray. I wish I could pray this way. God, teach me to pray this way. Look what I love how they say this. This is really not a Baptist verse. I just got to tell you, this is not a Baptist verse. It's a, I'm sure it didn't happen, but it seemed like anytime you get to this kind of verse, when I was growing up in the in the Baptist church, they, they were kind of sort of either skipped over or read over very quickly. So you are going to give us another one up. Amen. What? Well, we didn't want you to know what what is. But look at what the apostles prayed for. And you want a pattern for prayer. I always like to look for patterns for prayer in the Scripture. Because I need to learn how to pray more effectively. How about you? Look at what they prayed for. In the midst of opposition, we need to be praying, praying, praying for boldness, first of all. And we talked about this last week. It's not a rudeness that we're talking about here. It's a, it's a kind of boldness that's, that's unashamed of God's truth and who God is. It's a kind of boldness that's, that's without fear, without fear that someone might disagree with you or, 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 or even speak out against you or may even try to hurt you. That kind of boldness where we know it's the truth and we cannot help but speak the truth because it's like... Like like Jeremiah the prophet says, it's like fire in my bones. And i got to speak it. i got to let that fire out because if I don't let that fire out, that fire will consume me. So they prayed in the midst of opposition, in the midst of threats. They prayed, God, give us boldness to speak the truth of your gospel. Now, most of us Baptists, we don't have any problem with that prayer. Let's, that's a good prayer. Because we we like to be known as the evangelical group. We like to be known as the gospel sharing group. We like to talk about our baptism. We like to talk about, about how many people received the Lord. And, I, and that's a wonderful thing to talk about. Unfortunately, some, some of our group have, have turned it into a big contest. But the next part is just as important. Not only to pray for boldness, but look at at what he says that they prayed for. They prayed for a stretching out of God's hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done. Now, we're afraid of this because there are some groups that have misused these verses. But I'm here to tell you. That God still heals. I'm here to tell you that Jesus and the Holy Spirit still works through signs and wonders. Not lying signs and wonders. Not deceptive signs and wonders. Not manipulated or created signs and wonders to prove that a church or a movement is somehow more blessed of God than others. Not some false action of uh, of trying to demonstrate some 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 work of the quote Holy Spirit in your life that's more carnal than it is spiritual. Not of those things. Not what we're talking about. But we're talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is still alive. Do you believe that He's still alive? He still intends to work through His church. Still intends to bring healing. Sometimes He'll bring physical healing, but He will always listen. He will always turn. He will always bring genuine eternal healing. To anyone who will put their faith in Him. Amen? He will always do that. And He continually works, or desires to work, through through the matter of of doing the miraculous. See, when we use that term, sign, we're talking about the miraculous. You know what the miraculous is? It's something that cannot be explained in the natural. You know, people say, well, I don't believe that because I, I cannot touch it, I cannot feel it, I cannot explain it. You've just just described what a miracle is. And I'm going to tell you, it's not intended for you or I to explain it. Or even completely understand it. In a lot of ways, we're a lot like Thomas when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. Unless I see it for myself, unless I touch it for myself, in other words, unless I'm the one that can basically comprehend this, I'll not believe it. Don't you desire for God to do something more in your life, more in your heart, more in your walk, than, than that you're capable of doing, or that you're capable of fully understanding, that, you, that you're capable of? If it's just about what you and I are capable of, why do we need Jesus in the first place? Why do we need the Holy Spirit in the, in the first place? I have brothers who would tell me, "Brother Pastor, pastor Brother, well, Tony, you need to understand... That the, the work of the Holy Spirit ceased after the canon was closed. Really? Really? And you now my, my response to that is, did you get saved two thousand years ago? And they look at me like, what are you talking about? Well, don't you believe that, that being born again is a great miracle of God? Does anybody here believe that being born again, having your sins forgiven and given eternal life, is a great, great, great miracle of God? Of course it is! Who brought that about? Not you, not me. Who brought it about? The Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your life, doing signs and wonders in you. We need to pray this way. Maybe we're afraid to pray this way because God might actually do something. And then we might have to respond to it. Because we're all okay with God as long as He's in our box. We're all okay with God. God, here's where I got you. You are free to be God. Now think about how crazy this is. You are free to be God as long as you move within the realm of this box. You know who's God of such a mentality? you know who's God of such a mentality? I am. Because I'm telling another being who's supposed to be a supreme, omnipotent being that he can only function there. I've become God. Now, I'm not God. And it's folly for me to think I'm God. But that's how far too many of we Christians approach it. We don't pray like this. God, let your Holy Spirit move in such a way that we're filled with such boldness that all we want to speak is your truth. And God, move in such a way that we see the manifestation of your power in the lives of the people in your church in the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. Wow. Pastor, someone's going to call you charismatic. Don't call me anything. Call me a believer. It's not about being charismatic or Pentecostal or even being Baptist. It's about being a biblical people who really want to be, as I said at the beginning, the church. The church. Last week I asked you, when's the last time you spent time with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Can I ask you this? And this can be, this can be very disconcerting. To a lot of us, because a lot of us are faithful, particularly the group that's here every Sunday. We're faithful every Sunday to be here. We're faithful in our place of servant and service, and I'm so grateful for all those that are faithful in their place of service, whatever that place of service is. But when was the last time that you could actually say you were led by the Holy Spirit and you experienced the manifestation of the power of God? That ought to be our lives. That really ought to be our life. I'm not ask listen, I'm not asking you to look for manifestation. I'm just asking you and myself to submit to the Holy Spirit and let him do whatever he wants to do. We're not to look for him, but we are to desire that the Holy Spirit be free to move in his church, because it is his church, it's not my church, it's not your church. It is His will we need to be deciding. It's not our will. It's not your will. It needs to be the will of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me close out the last part of this. When we when we seek this opposition, or when, I shouldn't not seek the opposition, when the world opposes us, we need to remember, ultimately, they're opposing Christ. Secondly, that in the midst of the worst, God is still God. He's still in control. Thirdly, He's move, going to move us to a place of prayer for boldness and a desire for the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in the body of Christ which is how it was always intended to be, then I want you to look at this. Verse 31 says this. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, this last verse, you know what it says to me? It's not so much about the shaking of the building. It's not what it's about. But for, for me, when I read that, I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me something. Here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling us as we move in the realm and the wake up. That as the body of Christ, we need to be expecting and even anticipating the Holy Spirit to be who He is. And to do what only He can do. You hear what I'm saying here? Here's my point. How many of you come to church Sunday after Sunday expecting God's Holy Spirit to move in your life? There's a difference between, again, worldly hoping that he does. I hope something happens today. I hope I feel the Spirit and so stuff. How many of us come here every Sunday and we expect? How about when you meet in your small groups? Do you expect when you pray together the Holy Spirit to, to, to hear your prayers and to answer your prayers and to act in that setting? How about in your homes when you pray around your tables and, 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 you, and you share with your children and you, you share with them? Do you expect the Holy Spirit to move and to be? How about out there in the workforce when you're, when you're doing the job that you, that you have to do to provide for your family, but at the same time you're listening to God and you're under leadership of the Holy Spirit? Do you expect Him to be manifested in your life in that place? I think we miss so much as the Western church... Because there is no expectation. There's a worldly hope that something will change. There's a worldly hope that that things will get better. There's a worldly hope that, 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 that maybe, in some sense, I might feel the Holy Spirit in my life and in my church. And that may be one of our problems, too, that we've relegated the work of the Holy Spirit to a place of feeling rather than a place of reality. And I believe what he's trying to tell us here, and I believe what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach me, is that when I come before God, whether it's by myself or with my spouse, with a small group, with a church family that God has given me, when I come before him, I need to come with an expectant heart. We're not just doing this to do this. Hopefully, we're not just doing this to do this. It says, when they had prayed in such a way, Holy Spirit, give us boldness. Holy Spirit, show signs and wonders in the name of, the, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It said this. And the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak God's truth with boldness. We need our lives shaken up a little bit. We need the church shaken up. You know, unfortunately, in in my years of ministry... Too many times the church has been shaken up by too many things other than what it ought to be shaken up by. By scandal. The church has been shaken up by by opposition among membership. By unforgiveness it's been shaken up by. By agendas the church has been shaken up by. By immorality the church has been shaken up by. By false teachings the church has been shaken We've been shaken up by everything under the sun except the one thing that we ought to be shaken up by. The presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Bow your heads with me.